This is a Dauntless Media Collective podcast. Visit dauntless.fm for more content. Checking my email. Check it, check it, check my email. Diggity dear, strong bad. <laughs> strong bad is here. <laughs> for those who are in their 20s in the early 2000s, you'll catch that reference. Yeah. If you, if you don't get it, that's okay. It's okay. Yeah, it wasn't <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> but speaking of emails, we yeah, love getting emails. your emails at Full Mutuality. It is such an encouragement to us to read through it. Uh, I know we said that on our last episode. And we just, we were encouraged. How do people send us an email if they want to, Nate? Yeah. So um, if you want to send us an email, uh, head over to fullmutuality.com um, and click the contact button at the top of the screen. And uh, and yeah, drop us a line. We love hearing from our listeners. We do. And speaking of, I wanted to read this email because it was just a lot of fun to read. And it's why we do what we do here at the podcast. So yeah, I'm going to just read through this. I read Pure this past summer and it was the final straw for me. By the way, Nate, have you read Pure? Um, I haven't read Pure. I have, however, heard um, of quite a few interviews from uh, Linda K. Klein. Um, but I have yet to read her book. It is on my TBR list, but my TBR list is very, very long. <laughs> same, same. She's on my my list of books I have heard so much about and want to read and just haven't gotten around to. But I've heard her speak, and I actually have a funny story. I heard her speak live once. Um, but before I heard her speak, I actually went out to lunch with her, and I did not know who she was. It was just a bunch of random people at the conference going out to eat together. And we're sitting around a table, and I do remember she had fabulous heels on that day. I have to make note of that. Or like she was walking with, and it has something to do with my story. But anyway, she, as we're sitting and eating, and I don't know her, I'm just chatting with her, making small talk, and I start getting into conversation, and she starts pulling out the, her notebook and writing down notes as I'm speaking. And I'm just like, what's going on here? Like, I didn't know who she was, and know she was an author. None of that. Just having some random conversation and some girls writing down what it's, she's like, is it okay if I write this down? I'm like, sure. And in my head, I'm just like, this is really weird. And then, and then later she ran off and someone's like, oh yeah, she's this conference speaker. She's, that's why she took off and she forgot her cell phone. So then I had to go bring her, her cell phone. She, anyway, that was, uh, that was my Linda K. Klein story. That was a lot of fun. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, that's why she was taking down notes as they spoke. Okay. Sorry. Getting back, getting back to this. Mm-hmm. We'll probably make a little side commentary because this was a fun email to read through. So that was the final straw of reading Linda's book. Looking back, I've been deconstructing for several years, but I'd been too afraid to put a name to it. Yeah, I mean, for a while there was no name for deconstruction. People just did it. She said, I joined a deconstruction group, and after I mentioned being homeschooled with Bob Jones curriculum my whole life, you might know Mm -hmm. something about that. I mean, not that you were homeschooled, but you went to Bob Jones. No, but I had Bob Jones curriculum my whole life. (laughs) You did. Your your high school, right, had Bob Jones curriculum? Yeah, from elementary. Like, I, I started... When I was in kindergarten, we had Bob Jones curriculum, and yeah, that's uh, how the Bob feeder Jones schools curriculum. work, right? They got the BJU yeah, yeah, yeah. from the from the start. They're mm-hmm. pretty popular, I believe, in homeschool curriculum. Yeah. Um, yeah. So someone recommended your podcast. I started in late October and proceeded to binge listen to all the episodes in just a few weeks. It's been so validating and literally life changing to listen to. Thank you so much. By the Aww. way, like those are the comments that like I just pause on and I'm like, come on, Nate and I just sit, we talk, we share our thoughts, and to know that it's it's helping you as you're going through this, if you're feeling like you're alone out there, we're really, we're touched. Thank you for for letting us know that it's it's doing that for you. Um, she continues, for the last several weeks, I've been worried because both, both you and Janice hadn't updated since a similar time. 
And with some of the topics you discussed, it was really hoping there wasn't any legal issues going on. We mentioned Hillsong last time with the gag order stuff. Um, and so I was so relieved when I saw your update today and even more relieved when I heard that it was so you ha both had a break, which is so important and healthy and so hard to do, uh, even life-giving. Um, sorry, it's so hard to do even living post-evangelical lives. Seriously, thank you for what you do. Thank you for what you discuss. And thank you for allowing yourselves the grace to ask questions and then extending that grace to others. Thank you, Renee. Thank you, Renee. That was that was a, such a kind email from them. Yeah. We don't we don't expect kind emails. Um, <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> if you, if you, if you want to send us a uh, hate email, you could do that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know if we're gonna read. It. Maybe we will read some hate mail one day. Oh, but... I mean, if it's particularly interesting, maybe. <laughs> There's some that I'm like, we should make a T-shirt with the stuff we get. <laughs> we should have full mutuality merch with our hate our hate stuff. But we love yeah. the kind emails. It it helps us, reminds us of why we do what we do. Um, speaking of Janice and how she's been off for a while, I'm sure most of you guys are missing listening to her, mm. like missing hearing her voice. I know that I love following her podcast, God Is Not Given, and I miss it when I don't hear her, and she has been off for a while. But if you're like me and you like hearing Janice, go check out her Instagram account because yeah, she's, she's still... She's still very active. She's, um, she posts up hilarious, informative. Yeah. If you're ex-evangelical, if you're deconstructing and you need a place that's therapeutic, her stuff is just it's so funny. It's oh, yeah. the comedic relief that we all need at a time like this. Mm -hmm. So head on over there and follow her there. Yeah. But I'm excited today. Yeah, because because uh, like you said, if you if you miss Janice, you can always check out you know her Instagram. But also, but also, you can listen to our podcast. You can because for the next three podcasts that we will be releasing, you're gonna get to hear us having a yeah. conversation with Janice. We recorded this actually quite a while back, mm -hmm. and we were but, gonna put it all as one episode actually. And she was the one who was like, you know yeah. what? I think you should break it up. Because the topic that we're going to be talking about in this episode, we're going to give you the introduction, actually. Uh, this first episode today will be the intro to the next ones that are going to follow. And mm -hmm. we're going to be covering evangelical, I mean, like like we always do evangelicalism. Yeah, like we always do. <laughs> like we always do, or we often do, sometimes we don't. But we cover it because we came out of it. And, uh, and we're going to be breaking down today, uh, is evangelicalism a cult? And we're going to sort of give our intro to what that means, mm -hmm. our starting yeah. point. So I guess that's about it, right? That's it. You got anything else? I don't nope. have anything else. No. Nope. All right. Let's, Without let's any further ado, I think we could just lead right into this. This is not an argument I would have ever had any need to have. Like, first of all, if you're close enough to me to be having the serious conversation, you're probably in the cold too, so we're not talking about it. And if you're coming at me from the outside, you're outside of it. You don't get it. You don't get it. And I think also you're just so busy doing everything else. Like, like you're just so worried about, again, the afterlife, right? And the spiritual battles and like every, every little thing has so much significance. You're just so focused on so much other stuff. You can't even stop to think about just the, just the basics of where did this book come from? Who put this together? Like you just don't, God, God did it. And, and here it is and no further questions. Right. No notes, no questions. Hi, I'm Nate. I'm Gail. And this is Full Mutuality. On today's podcast, we have our very first repeat guest, Janice Legata. Welcome back. Thanks for having me back. This is my first time returning to this podcast. So 
<laughs> well, after today, we'll make a decision as to whether we want you back again. <laughs> Such a goofball. <laughs> oh, pressure is on. Yep. Yep. See if we go out for coffee and lunch and everything again after this. <laughs> My guys? <Yeah>. Guys? <laughs> what, hap what happened? Guys? No? Okay. <laughs> so um, the topic of today's conversation um, is going to be a fun one. So we're going to kind of walk through it. We know that it might be a bit, um, probably a bit polarizing um, and might might turn some listeners off right off the get-go. So you probably even looked at the title of the of the episode and were like, yeah, no, that's not for me. But if you do happen to listen, <laughs> stick around. I think it might be worth um, hearing us out. So... Um, is evangelical Christianity a cult? Is it? Is it? We're going to answer the question. Yeah, it's a big question. A, that's our talk. You know what? I think before before we get into it, probably we should do like a little, should we do defining of terms? What is evangelical? Who is an evangelical? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause like that can get a little, a little messy, right? Like I, I remember. Cause it's not a denomination per no. se. But there are a common set of beliefs that span, like, if you are evangelical, you can probably pick out what another evangelical church is, even if they have differences from your denomination, be like, oh, that's evangelical. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So like, because you often hear like, is it a denomination? No, obviously it's not. But um, I think, well, maybe we could talk about some of the things that we, that we might recognize as evangelical, like maybe some key phrases and whatnot do you do you guys have anything i have I've, i have some thoughts go ahead give us your thoughts nate okay what are your what are your okay. key if, how do you know someone's what are they going to say to you and you're like oh that's that's an evangelical well often they'll ask are you a born again christian so if are, you, you could are you, you saved say, are you, yeah does anyone say that if they're not evangelical are you do saved you know the lord <laughs> do you know the lord have you accepted the lord and have savior you into your heart yeah Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Yeah. Lord and personal Savior. Lord and Savior. Yeah. Because no prayed, other. Prayed the prayer. Oh, yeah. Prayed the prayer. Like, yeah. you, I don't know that that's. So, like, the pro prosthetizing is a big, a big piece of that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, the need to convert people because you have to say the prayer. You have to accept Jesus in your heart as your Lord and Savior. It's like there's a moment in time. Then you accept Jesus and you're saved. And the saved thing is huge. And the saved thing is what it's. Yeah what it's all about right that's like what that's it's all about mm -hmm. yeah i mean just just the word right evangelicalism like yeah evangel like you are going out you are evangelizing like i think that is are you are you trying to make converts mm -hmm. is that part of the mission like, yeah. is that is that what this is based on then yeah it's evangelical it's yeah um what are some other things that set uh, them apart that from yeah. other groups that are Christian. DC talk. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you have to call me out like that, Nate? You're so mean. That was like my favorite band back in the day, and that's a little embarrassing. They had like their their biggest hit for those who aren't evangelical or like in curiosity listening to this. Their biggest hit song was called Jesus Freak. Like, I mean, yep. it doesn't get any more evangelical. I was well, so evangelical. Say. 
Yeah, what, yeah. what will people say yeah, when they when they hear say. that I'm a Jesus freak? What will people do when they find when that they it's, find true? it's true? Okay, I don't yeah. want to start singing this whole song. I'm stuck in my head. It's already it's already stuck. <laughs> oh oh oh! I'll switch to the Nirvana version because they have like a oh, rip yeah, off. Because of... it was a rip off of Nirvana. Right. It, it, it sounds if you play "Smells Like Teen Spirit," it's right have... up next to Jesus yeah. Freak. It's the it, same chord progression yeah. and everything. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> yep. Like a good Christian band ripping off secular music, right? <laughs> Evangelical. Oh man, evangelicalism has their whole, their own whole music industry, like CCM, yeah. all the tooth and nail. Like they're all the record labels where it's like they're Christian music. They're separate. You know, mm-hmm. and it's a whole world. They got their their own movies. Evangelicalism has its own movie industry. Oh, yeah. Weird Christian movies. Okay, so yeah. we can go off topic. What do you find is the worst weird Christian movies that you've seen? Like that where you're just like, that I didn't watch. Like, how can yeah, you? they're all, all of them. They're all, they're pick all a, terrible. Pick a bad one. So <laughs> you're like, I, all bad. <laughs> I didn't watch, other than like the end times like rapture based movies. I didn't watch a whole lot of Christian movies. Did you um, see all the the rapture ones like Kirk Cameron left behind the original Thief saw, in the Night with the like ticking yep, at the I beginning? I saw the whole the original Thief in the Night series. We did like mm-hmm. a I remember we did a lock-in at my at my church youth group growing up and we watched I think I think all of the Thief in the Night movies back to back. Um <laughs> then uh, of course the Kirk Cameron left behind movies. Uh, you know what? Were... We're actually getting into something pretty evangelical. I would say the apocalyptic kind of end times. Like they mm-hmm. may not, yeah. the evangelical churches might not all agree on what that looks like and how the order of things, but they're all big on to like, it's not just get saved and it's about the afterlife. It's like about this apocalyptical coming that's happening and mm-hmm. the world is kind of degrading into this terrible time that's going to come and we got to get out of here and go be with Jesus because it's going to go, it's all going to go bad. Yeah. Um, was your ch- growing up, Janice? Did you watch those movies? Was it were they big into the end time stuff? Yeah, like I'm sure I've seen it. I don't have, I don't remember. Um, you blocked it out. I probably blocked <laughs> it out. Also, because I was like a really, just really fearful. Okay. Anyway, and so like I still like I do not like anything horror. Anything. I don't watch horror movies. Nothing, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Nothing gory. Like nothing. None of that. And so. So something like that would be terrifying. So as a child, <laughs> you you forget the memory, but like you just keep yeah. the fear. So yeah. like like I had rapture rapture anxiety, right? Rapture anxiety mm. is a common you one. know that is needing to know where where people are and if everyone's right stepped out for some reason and you know I don't know just like checking always checking okay if my grandma's still here. We're still here. We're good. Yeah. You have like your one yep. that you're sure God is God is not <laughs> right. gonna leave behind. Oh, so if they're there, you're what Nate, yeah. you're like smiling. Oh. You too? Oh, I had oh ev- almost every day. Wow. I mean, my because I grew up in a tradition. So I mean we could talk about like our, our traditions too, because mm-hmm. we do have that evangelicalism as kind of like a common denominator for us, but we all come from different, different branches. Parts. Yeah. Right. We're not so, we like, wouldn't all go to the same kind of church growing right. up, but yet we're all still evangelical. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So like for me, I come from the <laughs> the what evangelicalism was based on was the the fundamentalist uh tradition. Like if it weren't for us, evangelicalism was wouldn't exist. Um, but evangelicalism Thanks. exists. Thanks, Nate. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Good job, um, guys. But it exists because it reacted to fundamentalism. It basically was like we want to be, we want to believe what fundamentalists believe without the weird separatist kind of 
what they called cultish behavior. Um, so they, so then you had the Billy Graham crusades that kind of branched off and, and did something different. But anyway, so I come from the fundamentalist background, all the same beliefs, and, and we consumed some of the same media too. And we, and, and that's where my rapture anxiety came from. We had, um, a, uh, a traveling preacher who came with the charts, the end time timeline charts with like what like when the rapture happens that triggers this thing and there's like you know the seven trumpets and the seven bowls of god's wrath and and like those that happen at different points after the seven year tribulation the midpoint of the tribulation when the antichrist is supposed to appear uh when the beast is supposed to appear uh when the battle of armageddon is supposed to take place and then the millennial period after you know i remember that <laughs> I, my church, which was not fundamentalist, it was Pentecostal, Italian Pentecostal. I remember the charts. I remember the timelines. When I switched to an open brethren church, funny enough, and that's so I spent my whole childhood from seven to like 16 or 17 in my Italian Pentecostal church. And then I went into an open brethren church and it was like, um, you know, like more of a Calvinist reformed kind of vibe going on. And uh, in that church, they avoided, like they'd do a preach through the whole Bible, and they would always avoid preaching on revelations because it, it was too controversial. People had different opinions on the chart and how it was supposed to go. Are you premillennial or postmillennial? Or they had all, but like people get so passionate and worked up over this that they would just skip revelations just because they didn't want to get into too deep into that they didn't like let's focus on what we have in common in jesus and that's the main thing and and then some people were worked up about the fact you skipped a whole part of the bible like how but it's just <laughs> interesting because like if you read through revelation the whole like sorry i'm gonna i know we're side tangenting because we're gonna get back to evangelicalism and if it's a cult but maybe this is interesting for people who are like what is this weird like i'm not evangelical what is this like um, the belief in the rapture, which seems to be such a big piece to evangelical thought, was invented in like 18-something by um, Whitefield, Wakefield. I don't know. If there's somebody who was a preacher in in the – it was recent. It's a modern yeah. – like before that, there was no teachings on the rapture. Like this is, a, this is a modern invention. And it's so critical and crucial to how we think through things. Like – Whole, all the video series and TV series and and book series on Left Behind and and the mm -hmm. end times to something that's brands. I mean, it's kind of like evangelicalism in, in the history of Christianity. Evangelicalism is the baby brother. It's the kid. It's it's the snot nosed teen brother that thinks they know everything, but they're like, you know, they're the newcomer to the to the table and discussion. But they have all these answers on how everything's supposed to be done. So yeah. Nate's probably fact checking me on who it was that. Did you find out who was the person? Uh, I can see I it found... on his face. Yeah, I found a, a like a Wikipedia article about rapture eschatology, but it's not very clear. I'll do some um, googling. I'll come back with that. Where some of these, <laughs> where some of these views, um, uh, some of it was expressed by 17th century American Puritans, um, Cotton Mather. So, I mean, it is it is a relatively new thing. It's not. It's not. Um, well, especially Exclusive. even if there was conversations about it, it wasn't in the it's way we biblical. see It's not biblical. That's yes. where I was going yes. with it. You're bringing me back, Janice. My point is there were other ways Revelation was read through that was not about this. Like this was not the topic. This is not how it was written. That's not what it was supposed to be. The people discussing this were finding cryptic ways to discuss what was going on in their world. What was going on right uh, then? Yeah, yeah, right there. It was... 
And evangelicals mm-hmm. were like, let's make this some cool apocalyptical. Po- let's you make know? it about us because everything yeah. is about <laughs> us. Exactly. Oh, man. If the white Christian is not at the center of the story, then what's even the point? Right. <laughs> what is it? What is evangelicalism without? And 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 I know that most of our. I mean, I I, I do want to make the distinction. There is a difference between white evangelicalism and black evangelicalism. They're not identical, and we tend to use evangelical as an umbrella term. And usually, we're talking about white evangelicalism, which is not cool. So, like, I try and make be, make a point to say white evangelicalism because it's like how men get all the default labels, like you know. National Basketball League, and then we go to women. It's like women's basketball. Why are men default humanity, and we get to be like women? You know, like you know, I don't want to do that with the black and white thing. But it, it's at, I come out of white evangelicalism. I know you do, Nate. Janice, did you? You didn't grow up in white evangelicalism, did you? I mean, influenced by. Uh, it's a it's a difficult conversation because, yes, I grew up with a black pastor. However, like if you just go one generation back, so if you're looking at like who who were the people coming to speak to our church, who were like the spiritual forefathers or whatever, and it's Kenneth Hagin and it's Kenneth Copeland, and so it's all these white white, white people, mm-hmm. and so it's yeah, there's black people in here and black people leading it, but this is still white evangelicalism yeah like we weren't i was having a conversation with a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago and talking about um pentecostalism and just all the spiritual spiritual warfare on everything right and just like why did we as as black people why are we fighting native american spirits and fighting like black spirits right and we're calling out and calling down kind of all this stuff that is denigrating our backgrounds and basically saying, oh, we've got all this spiritual bondage and, you know, yeah, bondage hmm. from all of this dark magic kind of stuff, right? But, like, why does not Pentecostalism, why is it never against the spirits of slavery or the spirits of, like, you know, violence, like, like white people, right. like white demons, got, come on, they right? Just... <laughs> like all of these these kind of spiritual issues. So yeah. like, so I think I think that's the difference. There is a black evangelicalism that is very much about about justice and about liberty and about you know liberation and that kind of stuff. That's not the church I grew up in. So it was influenced by white evangelicalism. Black, on, so I would say mm-hmm. it was white evangelicalism mm-hmm. just being practiced okay. by people of color, which mm-hmm. is. You know, that's the American story. The same way I can <laughs> yeah. have white supremacist tendencies. Like oh, it doesn't, totally. you know. Mm-hmm. The Chapel Probation Podcast takes a critical look at evangelical colleges and universities, focusing initially on Azusa Pacific University, where I taught English for 15 years. I'm Scott Okamoto, and I'm writing a book about how I deconstructed from faith completely while at APU. This podcast, though, is my tribute to the students and other faculty who survived evangelical higher education. They faced ridiculous racism, sexism, anti-LGBTQ hatred, and all manner of bigotry. From the heartless evils of the prosperity gospel to the destructive pseudo-theology of purity culture, the stories will break your heart, but they will also inspire. These people faced bigotry, 
and fought back. In a weird, kind of sick way, we went through some shit, but we formed identities and we formed communities through it all. I hope you will join us. Hey everyone, I'm Nate from the Full Mutuality Podcast. I wanted to take a moment to say thank you for tuning into this show. We're so grateful that you've decided to spend your time with us. Seriously, Dan, Gail, Jessica, Kathleen, Scott, and the rest of us here at the Dauntless Media Collective couldn't produce content like the show you're listening to without your support. I'd also like to invite you even further into the conversation. Right now, there are some great discussions happening over in the Dauntless Media Collective Discord server. If you're interested in chatting with other folks who are deconstructing and decolonizing the oppressive traditions that they came from, please feel free to hop on into the server. If you don't know what Discord is, it's a place where communities can gather online for chatting on a wide variety of topics. In our Discord server, we have channels devoted to general deconstruction conversations, some meme sharing, therapeutic venting about whatever religious bullshit you're currently dealing with, and even a channel specifically devoted to talking about the latest episodes of the podcast you're listening to right now. I hope you'll join us. You can log in directly to the Dauntless server by clicking the link in the show notes or heading to dauntless.fm and clicking the link in the top banner. See you there. Um, I think another another marker of evangelicalism is the, the way that they approach the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, bo- like all of us come from different evangelical traditions. Again, you but- said phrases, Nate, Bible believing. Oh, you yeah. Go Bible to a Bible believing <laughs> church. I'm like, which Christians don't go to a Bible, but they mean something like there's certain right. dog whistle words that they don't. They're not face value words. They, they're code words that are trying to get at something different. And that one, I think, more is like, do you see the Bible the way that I see the Bible? That's what they're asking you. But instead, they'll say something hilarious when you're not evangelical, which is, are you Bible-believing? Because all Christians have that text as an important text to them. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the the better question would be, how do you believe the Bible? Like, How do you believe that works? Yeah. How do you believe? Yeah. How do you believe it works? How do you believe it functions? How do you believe it it expresses itself? And how do you believe that informs your approach to it? Um, you know, like I would you um, have called yourself an evangelical, by the way? Like, what would you have called yourself? Because I never would have used the label evangelical. No, Evangelicals I, don't call themselves evangelical, right? Did you Christians. any of you ever? No. Yeah. We like I probably would have just referred to myself as Christian. I, I feel have, like I'm, that is, yeah. that's the way you identify yourself mm-hmm. if you're evangelical. You say, I'm a Christian. I'm yeah. A Christian. Right? Or, right. Yeah. Or I might have said, I'm a born again Christian. Yeah. If you want to get um, more specific. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But in, in, a, in an effort to differentiate myself from, you know, whether it was Catholic Christians or um, Mormons, you know, main Mormon lines, uh, yeah, Mormons or, or the main lines, yeah. And that's when so. you go, are you Bible believing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, it's yeah. it's what, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that I, I think you might hear it, hear it in evangelical circles being taught as the Bible is inerrant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is without error. It is without mistake. Um, it's therefore, such a fascinating, like. talking point because you're like inerrant like the original text is inerrant and like oh well we don't have that so you mean the copies of the original would they don't match each other so like Mm -hmm. what what are you you know 
the whole once I feel like the more scholarly you get in this, the more it starts to fall apart. Like, when did the Bible get put together? Which canon? For talking about the Bible, whose version of what is canon? Because there's at least four different in within Christianity as a whole, there's a four or five or maybe even more opinions of what is included as the canon. And they don't Christians don't all have the same Bible. We have different yeah. different books that get included, different pieces that get in, stuff that gets dropped. And like, when did this get put together? We think of the Bible as a book, but the printing press didn't exist. Like the Bible was not a, having this book that's your focus was not the way Christianity was passed down, practiced for hundreds and hundreds of mm -hmm. years. Most of Christianity, it wasn't done that way. No. And then now, like for evangelicals, it's that book and it's the canon they consider canon. And the word inerrant doesn't have the thought process of even those like I didn't know growing up. Who decided what was canon? How did this get formed? How many years after these books were just floating around did they decide to get together and make a decision? Who was included in that decision? Who wasn't included in that mm -hmm. decision? Why? Yeah. <laughs> None of those are a part of the when you're going, this Bible is inerrant and and all of the the big statements that get attached to it. Yeah. It's a none of that, like none of that ever came up. Mm -mm. Never had these conversations. Like you just never even thought to Just ask never thought it. about it yeah right i don't know right. like i mean it seems crazy now but and i think also you're just so busy just doing doing everything else like like you're just so worried about again the afterlife right and the spiritual battles and like every every little thing has so much significance you're right. just so focused on so much other stuff you can't even stop to think about just the just the basics of where did this book come from? Who put this together? Like you just don't God, God did it. God did and, it. And here it is. Right. We got it. God did it. We everyone it. that I know believes it. Uh yep. no no further questions. Like, no when notes, I find stumble no across something confusing, I ask my pastor and he's gonna explain it through his lens and I'm gonna assume he knows God good and he's gonna <laughs> set me straight on. Right. And also maybe it's it's not for me to know, you know, God uses mm. the foolish things of the world to confound the wise and his ways are higher than mine. And, you know. Wow. Right. Right. The ways that we employed cognitive dissonance. I think we're going to get into a lot of this mm -hmm. when we get into how evangelicalism is a cult. Oh, you made me think, yeah. though, of, of when you talked about Janice being busy with all these things occupying our mind. I know before we hit record, I was reading a Rolling Stone article that uh, the title of it was... Um, Oh, man. Let me see if I can pull that up fast. It said the title of it is. I've got it. Go, oh, ahead. go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> oh, an evangelical childhood is a total mindfuck. New memoir recounts the anxiety and thrills of growing up as a conservative Christian. And uh, yeah, I just love that. It's a catchy title. Mm -hmm. An evangelical childhood is a total <laughs> mindfuck. And I think we would. <laughs> we were all like, yeah, yeah. And he, and he talks about. Uh, you know, needing therapy afterwards, but that how grand of a thing it was to be part of such a big story and for everything to be a cosmic battle and everything you do has so much significance. And that came with a ton of anxiety for, for him and for mo we were all agreeing. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. All oh, the yeah. fear and anxiety that came with that. But like, we felt important, right? Like we felt like we were on the that winning team that was on like the right side and on the, on the right yeah. side. Yeah. Cuss with have, history like all the time. Mm. We, we have the spirit of God living in us. We've crossed over from death to life. You know, the darkness is not a part of our, our vision anymore like it is for all everyone, <laughs> everyone else who's not evangelical. 
uh, the road is narrow. That's another belief, right? Like that mm. road is narrow and few find it. So you're a part of the minority and you're proud of it. And you, you, you don't look at that, the fact that you're in a small, narrow segment and go, oh, maybe I should ask questions about, you know, why everyone else thinks differently. It's like, no, the Bible said the road is narrow and few will find this path. So like, you know, that that's even more special of me because I'm on the narrow road. Like that's a big piece of the, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. man. So we all like all of us, different churches. These are all yeah. familiar to all of us. Yeah. Uh, just to, to clarify for anyone who's, who's listening and is interested, we'll put the, the link to that interview. Um, the Rolling with, Stones. Yeah. It was the one in Rolling Stone, but it was an interview with Charles Marsh, whose book recently came out. I think it came out this week and the book is called Evangelical Anxiety, um, which is essentially what we all grew up with. <laughs> <laughs> whether we whether we knew it or not um that is that is the the life we lived i mean god like i was constantly worried about you know sin like what what sinful th- and, and and i remember being taught take every thought captive every for Christ. thought captive and like we were having a conversation with one of our friends who's autistic and they take autistic people who have autism take things very literally like it's not it you know like she was explaining to us when she reads time, she doesn't go like 840. She does now because she's adjusting to how neurotypical people talk. But like to her, if it's 837, it's 837. It's not 840. Or it's 839. It's still 839, not 840. So like take every thought captive really meant take like mm-hmm. the anxiety I had was just that was a general thing. Like I took that as a do your best to overall yeah. like aim for this. This is the ballpark. Like kind of like the time round it to the nearest and just try and aim for that. But like she was talking about the constant, like whatever anxiety I felt, she's talking about as an, as an autistic person, how much more stressful that was, the idea of taking every single, like you can't live or breathe without having to be analyzing every single thought you're, that's, that's, um that's yeah. intense. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. You're working for the Lord and not for men. Every single moment, every single thing you do has to be working for the Lord with every fiber of your being. Like, it's an intense... Um, God demands excellence. So the, so the excellence team had to be, you know, keep those toilets <laughs> spick and span. Hillsong <laughs> reference. These two yeah. are smiling. <laughs> the yeah. excellent team, the excellence team was a toilet cleaning team at Hillsong, yep. correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Okay. All right. I had a thought. I was wondering because, you know, for people who are listening who are maybe evangelical or they grew up evangelical and maybe they're rethinking things, um, I was wondering if we were able to, because right now we look back and it's like, yeah, this is not where we're at. And it's sort of a bit trippy almost to to put ourselves there. But, you know, if someone would have asked us when we, like, if you can go back to where you really um, considered yourself, you wouldn't use the term evangelical, but you're a Christian, you're following Jesus. and somebody said to you, no, but like you're in a cult. I know we could have said it doesn't matter or, you know, but let's say it was somebody who you were close enough to where they were sincerely asking you to explain. Do you, can you, do you know, can you imagine where you were at at that moment to think of how you would have responded to someone to try and help them if, if they were sincere and you really wanted them to get where you were coming from? How would you have explained that? No, it's not a cult because what would be your... Or how did you even answer that to yourself in your own mind? What made it not a cult to you? 
I think for me, I don't know that I would have really gone too far down, like trying to, because I, I don't think I was ever approached with, um, you know, you're in a cult, which is surprising because looking back, even when I was in uh, like a mainstream evangelical church, I look back on my time in fundamentalism, I'm like, oh my God, that was a cult. But um, I, I probably would have deflected and pointed at other groups and said, well, we don't do that. Therefore, we're not a cult. So like we don't make people drink Kool-Aid or we don't, you know, we don't have somebody like David Koresh who's going to bring us all out to a compound. You know, we don't have um, th those markers. And I, the other thing, too, for, for me was that I believed cults to be things, you know, groups that didn't believe the right things about Same. God. Yeah. It was like, a, so, it wasn't behavior. It was like your doctrine's off. So if you're a yeah. Mormon or Jehovah Witness, you're in a cult. Yeah. To, to my group, my church growing up, the uh, Catholics, Catholics were, were a cult. Yeah. Mine yeah. was a little iffy. Probably my Italian Pentecostal group, because a lot of them had Catholic relatives, were more likely to call it a cult. And then um, when I got into more of a, uh, my brother in church, it was, they, they wouldn't have called Catholics cults, maybe misguided Christians is how they would have put it. Yeah. What about yeah. you, Janice? How did you, how did you define cults? Did, what did you, what was your reference point for what a cult was? I mean, yeah, a cult is probably almost exactly, exactly the same as Nate. Like I too would have deflected and been like, no, it's not because here's the things we don't do. No, we only, we only believe the Bible. So we're not. We're not Jehovah's Witnesses. We're not the Mormons with their Book of Mormon. Like, no, we just stick to the Bible. Um, we don't, I don't have all think these weird no traditions. No one ever, yeah. No one ever, when I was growing up, no one ever said I was in a cult. Um, so that wasn't even a conversation. When you not looked even, at what was having. a cult outside of your own faith, like when you knew what a cult was for other groups, what did you think that was or what did you define? I mean, so we knew we knew it was the Jehovah Witnesses. Okay. It was mm -hmm. the Mormons. It was anybody who starts anything not based on the Bible or, or you know, proclaiming themselves to be the new leader, right? The new Jesus or whatever or to have... You know, someone who has some new revelation about something, you're like, oh, oh, that's a cult. Um, and then, like, once I was in Hillsong, and that was just kind of a word floating around. Like, I just never took it seriously. Um, and it was also just, oh, no, like, you, yeah, you don't get it. Um, and you're not supposed to get it, honestly. Like, you're, you're outside of it, and you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't know. And, and also like, I've never had a, I've never had like a huge reaction to the word cult. Cause I mean, you have things like, oh, this movie has a cult following or right. this. So for me, it, it hasn't always, doesn't necessarily have a negative connotation. Mm -hmm. Like me and my friends, we might be a little mm. cult, right? Like it could, it could also be, be fun. It was used um, in a sort of broader term in your mind too. Not necessarily yeah. something totally scary or. I right. Think so I would have never. This is not an argument I would have ever had any mm. need to have. Like, first of all, if you're close enough to me to be having the serious conversation, you're probably in the cult, too. So we're not talking about it. And if you're right. coming at me from the outside, you're outside of it. You don't get it. You don't get it. Yeah. You don't get it. 
I liked your your point about, you know, it cult could be even, you know, just cult following or stuff. And I think, you know, as we get into this topic, and we'll take the time to define it and get get more in, in specific detail. But I think it's important for people to realize like cults can be like you can have a yoga cult or you can have like mm-hmm. lots of it's not just a religious thing. It can be found in all kinds of ways of doing life where um, and I think Kayla Felton from the Reclamation Collective, she she's taken some time. I think when we did our, our one on uh, on spirituality, on reclaiming spirituality, she talked about that and and how it's not just uh, it's not unique to religion, uh, cult behavior, abusive. I think she's talking mm-hmm. more about spiritual abuse, spiritual cult, abusive behavior, but yeah. cult, cult behavior is similar to that. It's abusive behaviors. We'll get into how cult and, and abuse go, go together and what that looks like. Um, yeah. But it's found outside of spiritual circles. It's found outside of evangelicalism. Um, I know for, uh, to answer that question from my own perspective, I loved studying cult, studying about cults when I was little. I don't. I think sometimes you're fascinated by topics and you don't realize it applies to you, <laughs> and it, you haven't made that a connection yet. Yep. So you're looking at all the other ones and you're like right. analyzing it. Ask and me like, about Scientology. Yeah, tell you you all about it. (laughs) And you don't realize how close it resembles your own thing. So I would have definitely been like, yes, it's doctrine and all that. But I would have looked at things like shunning people as a cult thing. Like I'd be like, oh, and I didn't grow up in fundamentalism. So in mainstream evangelicalism, you didn't, you know, you're not allowed talking to them anymore once they leave your group. Like I'd heard stories about in Jehovah Witness or Mormonism. And I was like, oh, it's very culty. They literally, you have to cut off family members or you're not allowed... So like when I would hear about fundamentalism, I'm like, wow, that's very culty because, you know, they literally will not associate with you if you have the wrong beliefs, but they won't associate with you if you talk to someone who talks to someone who has the wrong beliefs. Like they had degrees of separation doctrine, which was like so culty in my head. I was like, wow, this is this is an intense thing. And so I was like, oh, the fundamentalists, they've got it all wrong. Um, but, but, hey. <laughs> <laughs> but like... You know, I I think of it now and I'm like, no, we didn't directly teach to shun people. But ask me how many people within my church that I spent 20 years, almost, you know, two decades investing in, how many of them still talk to me? Ask me how many people who who I thought were close to me still keep up with me. Um, Now, is that on my end too? Do I reach out to them? No, I don't necessarily either. But you don't even have to have, let's say, a a shun doctrine to create that sort of in and out group vibe. and and one of the reasons I don't reach out is because when you're in those groups, so much of your thought process revolves around a very specific way of looking at it that sometimes it's almost hard to find those common ground points once you're no once your life is no longer revolving around that. Like once it's expanded beyond that that and that's not what everything is about, you know. Um, I remember it's having over. conversation yeah. about movie and TV with people who aren't Christians and feeling like this is really shallow conversation. <laughs> you know, this is like how I thought of it. I was like, I want to get into the meaty stuff because that's what's important. And everything was about God and life and death. And that was what I had to wait for, where I can plug it in, where I can see an opportunity to give a reason for the hope that I have. I mean, as evangelicals, we knew all the verses that were telling us to always be prepared to give an answer and to to mm-hmm. share our faith. Um you know, memorize the Great Commission. I'm sure all of us could go through these things and we'd remember them. But like, yeah, it was intense. And I and I definitely find the in-group, out-group stuff, even if it wasn't fundamentalism, just evangelicalism in general creates that dynamic of the, yeah. you know, when you're in or out of it and the, yeah. So that was interesting. Yeah. I just want to do that exercise of how we would have responded. I think for me, be like, well, we didn't shun people. You know, um, we don't tell you uh 
it's funny because like I could say things and now like I'm questioning it, right? Like the shunning, but yet like we don't tell you how to dress. Um, but do we though? Like, mm-hmm. no, we didn't have a uniform. You know, no, they didn't measure like fundamentalist churches will measure like how many inches here or there. We didn't do that. But there was certainly a lot of shame and stigma around if you accidentally ended up taking it too far. And the ambiguousness made that even more common, you know, just mm-hmm. happen because everybody had different opinions. I almost feel like the structure of fundamentalism probably at least provides a guideline for people know, to know how to function within you know, the standards, whereas I feel like evangelicalism, it could be from one preacher to the next, it could vary. And then, oh, you you crossed the wrong person with the wrong belief system. And now you're going to hear about how you're dressed immodestly and how you're causing a brother in Christ to stumble. And purity culture is <laughs> another big, huge piece of evangelicalism, huge yeah. piece of evangelicalism Yeah, is the whole don't have sex. And what do you what are you wearing? And uh, is there any sexual thoughts popping in your head? And we need to govern your your thought life and your relationships very micromanagingly. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. we're gonna get. I'm, I feel like I'm jumping ahead, Nate. Right? Like we had a we had, <laughs> we had a little comb through. Right? Like we wanted to do a more uh, I guess analysis of what a cult is based on. Go for it, Nate. You jump in. Yeah. So I think what one way that. Um, that has helped me kind of frame all of my experiences because I mean, and I know I, I talk about it often on, on the, on the podcast, but I do have like a, a, a plethora of, of experiences <laughs> within various branches of, of evangelical Christianity. Um, and what, like, so the reason that I would say, I guess, you know, to answer the question, why, why I think evangelical Christianity in particular is a cult, um, you know, spoiler alert for those, you know, <laughs> who are wondering. Um, I do think that evangelical what? Christianity is a cult. Oh, did I startle you, Janet? This might not be the podcast for you. Then. <laughs> She's like, I'm out. <laughs> Bye. Never coming back. <laughs> um, I think for me, I it... I couldn't come to that conclusion. I would have said, you know, when I was when I was in my mainstream evangelicalism days, um, I would have said that fundamentalism for sure was a cult and that I escaped from that cult. Um, but I, I would never have looked at um, evangelical Christianity overall as a cult. And again, you know, like we're using words that we associate or I'm using words that I associate with that branch of Christianity now that back then I wouldn't have associated. I would have been familiar with the term evangelical and I might have said, okay, that does describe me, but that's not how I would describe myself. Um, but looking back anyway, all of that to say, um, the, what helped me was, um, Stephen Hassan's um, bite model of authoritarian control, which we'll put a link to this in the show notes because this is is I think this is very what we wanted to go stuff. through because yeah. I think it's helpful for anyone whether you're in evangelicalism or in something else that you could be involved in that could be a cult. Like this wasn't created. This book wasn't written for evangelicals. Mm-hmm. This wasn't no. written for evangelicals. This no. was just written as an analysis of cult behavior, and so we just want to take the time. We were excited about doing this podcast episode specifically because we wanted to take the time to go like, hey, this book is not written for us <laughs> or for evangelicals, it, but it gives you a grid for like filtering what is, you know, it. 
so what I like about it, and I'm like spoiler alert, I guess a bit, but like it focuses on actions and behaviors rather than what I was taught, which was doctrines and beliefs and having the right mm. beliefs. Mm -hmm. um, not that yeah. beliefs don't factor into this, but we'll get to that. Um, right. It gives more of a grid for what is, how how, how come even um, things that are not spiritual can be, be considered cults uh, by taking you through sort of like a model and a structure to analyze different components of what you're involved in. So I... We thought this would be a fun exercise to like take each of our backgrounds in our various denominations of where we were spread out amongst evangelicalism and see, you know, where, what experiences we had that fell into these categories when we go when we come through them. So that's yeah. what we setting you guys up to. We did our long preamble, but this is where we're going. Yeah. <laughs> Have you hung on this long? So um, Stephen Hassan's bite model of authoritarian control. It's, the reason it's called a bite model is it's an acronym for behavior control, um, information control, thought control, and emotional control. Since this conversation went on for a while, we took Janice's suggestion and split it into a few parts. Stay tuned for an upcoming episode where we'll continue this discussion and start looking into how the various forms of evangelicalism exert control over their followers. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to swing by fullmutuality.com to find our social media handles, links to the apps you can subscribe to us on, and contact info so you can get in touch with us. See you next time on the Full Mutuality Podcast.